Hello and welcome to the Inside Elland Road podcast. This is episode 90 and Leeds United are going up as footballing champions. I'm with Joe Urquhart, one of the sports writers on the Yorkshire Evening Post. And it's been some week, Joe, for Leeds United. Who would have thought? Who would have thought, Joe? I would have thought that's who because I called it mid-season. But when did you first think it's happening? When Huddersfield scored their second goal. Um, get in! <laughs> get in! Sorry, just needed to get that out quickly. Um, no, I think it's been it's been a long time coming. I think um, the more that you sit and waited for, for football to come back, I think watching the old clips of the season, you realise just how good Leeds United have been this year. And there's always that little creeping doubt because of what happened last year. But I think over the three-month period, I managed to still convince myself, having watched the countless clips of, of Bielsa Ball um, throughout the year before the hiatus, that, that it was still on. And it's just been an utter privilege the last 12 months to watch this campaign unfold. Because that's what it's been now, isn't it? 12 months. Um, just the weird, the weirdest campaign is over, but Leeds United are back in the Premier League, aren't they? And um, that's the most important factor. And what a way they've done it. The, the football that they've played, the football that we've been treated to watching, and um, just the storylines that have unfolded. The, you look everywhere in the squad, and there is an individual story behind every player. And I think as a journalist, and the way that you're writing about the team, it's fantastic to see. You, know, you look at Pablo, his goal at Swansea City, Phillips turning down Villa, clicks, you know, runner games, coming back from the dead, essentially, you know, his Legion United career. It's just, what a, what a team. What a bloody team. <laughs> and what a week. Um, it, it was very strange the way it happened. I've described it already as a bit like when in a, in a film or a Netflix show, when somebody kind of looks to the horizon and they're on like a beach and and they see something like disturbing, but they can't quite tell what it is. And then not long after, like a tidal wave destroys them and, and everything. Um, that's what it felt like a little bit, because I honestly didn't think Huddersfield would win that game against West Brom. And even with, what, 10 minutes to go, I still thought West Brom would get a goal. So when Huddersfield scored the second, obviously we, we had something prepared for the website and we had a plan in place for a special supplement for the YEP to celebrate promotion because we were, we were, we were very confident promotion was going to happen, but we had no idea when we thought it might be Derby away. That's when they, we, we felt they'd get the point that they needed. So we'd been writing all week, but even when you're writing about promotion having happened when it hasn't happened yet and speaking to, Brian Dean and John Newsom and, and David Healy and John Sheridan and saying things like, what's your reaction to Leeds promotion? Obviously, this won't see the light of day if they don't get promoted from here on in. And you're talking about it in past tense. Even despite all that, it still hit me like a ton of bricks all of a sudden when they scored that second goal at Huddersfield. And, and then it was like time just sped up and... Here we are a week later, and it's been absolutely incredible ever since. Um, how did you feel when Huddersfield scored that second goal? For me, it was panic because it was, this is on, on, almost, oh no, this is happening now. And then we, you know, we kicked into response mode. How did you feel as a lifelong lead supporter? My initial fear was that I had indigestion because I'd eaten my tea too quickly watching the <laughs> And then you thought, then you thought, just, just out of nervous, pure nerves, heart uh, attack. <laughs> but then I wasn't sure if that was like me just having some weird reaction to promotion rather than having eaten my dinner too. Um, I think uh, when the ball went down to Emil Smith Rowe, time seemed to stand still. The only thing I can think of comparing it to is when Beckford scored at Old Trafford. And the ball sort of slowly crossed the line and hit the back of the net. It almost stood still. And you were like, hold on, that, that means it's 2-1. And then you started doing the calculations in your head. You're like, wait, that means Leeds are, are going to be a Premier League team. And then, yeah, all hell broke loose. Um, 
I didn't really have a reaction initially because probably like you, I was just like, crap, I guess I'll get on my laptop then because <laughs> we have lots to talk about. Um, but yeah, I think it really hit home on the Sunday um, after we'd finished the touching. I saw the, the final pieces on our supplement and, and finished the story after the Derby game of telling what had happened the weekend. I think when I look back and saw the paper in all its glory and the champion spread, I think that's when it really, really sort of hit home that, that Leeds United are no longer a championship team. They're in the Premier League and obviously their first trophy in, in a lot of supporters' lifetimes. Um, and I think it'll be a summer long of, of slowly sinking in. Obviously today we've got the, the start date for the Premier League, but I think when the fixture list really comes out and you start seeing you know, the big hitters on there, that'll be when it go, you start getting really, really excited. I think just the initial culmination of, of wanting it so badly for so long and it to happen in such a weird way. <laughs> you know, we all expected to be in a ground with, with fans flowing onto a pitch and obviously no matter how it came about, it was always going to be a special moment. But to be sat watching Huddersfield Town clinch Leeds United's promotion was a, a very surreal thing. Yeah, big fan of Huddersfield, uh, aren't you? Big, big yeah. fan of... Carlos Corbran's Barmy Army. Army Army, <laughs> yeah, especially now. We'll talk about that in a little bit. So that was promotion one, and the players had gathered together at Ellen Road to watch that. Um, somebody had managed to get a snap of Pablo outside the ground as he was going in. That kind of tipped the wink to supporters everywhere that Leeds were there. So when it actually happened, and Huddersfield scored that second goal... The players went crazy at full time and then they were able to have a celebration of sorts with supporters who had gathered outside the ground and there was those great shots of the players all lining the windows and banging the windows at Elland Road um, and then heading out onto the steps for an impromptu sing-song with the fans at a very safe distance. And and I, I, I know that you know we've been pushing the message of stay at home, stay safe. I was glad in a way that players had a moment, you know, the first of what has turned out to be several, but they had a moment where they could celebrate with the fans um, and have, a, have, have that moment of the adulation and the, the joy and being able to sing with the fans. And, and, it, and it wasn't as good as it could have been had it been inside Elland Road and had there been tens of thousands there, but it was something at least uh, but what I was most pleased about at the start of that weekend was the sight of Marcelo Bielsa climbing the steps up into Elland Road to go to his players and to hug them and to jump up and down and dance with them and have his name sung. And the, the size of the smile on his face and the scale of emotion and affection that he showed, which I think is something we've not really seen from him, at Leeds United, there was a relief for me that that he actually, because I was all geared up for Sunday for Derby, thinking if they do it on the pitch, we'll get to watch him and see what his reaction is at full time. But this was even nicer, because even though it happened and he was probably calmer than he would have been had they done it on the pitch, he still let his emotion out. He hugged Patrick Bamford. He he hugged and danced with Calvin Phillips. I think for all Leeds United fans there's probably a relief and a great sense of satisfaction that they got to see the boss truly happy. Yeah, that footage of him in the East End is, is remarkable. And I think it'll be played for years to come um, around West Yorkshire. Just the, the embrace with Pablo. Pablo was in tears, wasn't he? And, and Calvin. And Calvin goes for a hug. They like sort of stop the embrace and then they just you know what let's have another one and then it's the same again and it just goes on for so long and then they're dancing around in a circle and I imagine that a lot of Leeds fans will have welled up seeing that especially after what happened with with the team this team this set of players essentially the same set of players last year and how much Bielsa has has felt the club since he came in and just the way that he's sort of fallen in love quite romantically with, with Leeds United and the idea of taking them back to the Premier League for it to actually come to fruition um, after basically two years of a real graft from him, from his coaching staff, from these set of players, to see that sort of outpouring of emotion from him because you'd say he'd been super tense since they came back from the lockdown because all he's thought about for the last four months essentially was 
was this end goal and he'd been so geared towards it for that emotion to come out for people to see that side of him um was was truly remarkable and when you were watching it i think anyone who was watching it couldn't help just re-watch it three or four times just because it was it's so special and it was great because we know that he keeps his distance from the players but the way that he celebrated with them, even with a trophy lift, you know, when Bamford tried to go get him and then he refused and then Calvin came over, he's like his grand, he's like long lost grandchild and goes, come on, granddad, let's go lift the trophy and then off he does it. It was just, everything warmed the heart. What, what a weekend. Yeah, fantastic. And then, of course, on the Saturday, Leeds won the title without playing, um, handed promotion without playing, handed a title without playing as everybody else fell apart around them. Brentford couldn't beat Stoke and um, and that just kicked the celebrations into another gear and uh, when it came to Sunday and the game at Derby and we saw the team sheet there was a temptation in me you know journalists often when we write team news and there's players that are missing you just put in brackets knee hamstring uh, ankle you know whatever Um, there was a temptation in me to just put hangover after several players' names, because there were some players that you felt on Friday evening were not going to be able to take to the pitch <laughs> on Sunday. Um, and uh, I think the saddest thing for me in that was that Matthias Click's streak was broken, but I honestly don't think there was, a, there was anyone that really cared. Click might have liked to have kept the... Maybe he would have liked to have started the game ceremonially, cere- ceremonially and then been substituted after a minute. Um, so that he could keep up his run of starts, but but seven. Can you imagine? Chip- can you imagine <laughs> sorry, sorry, just to interrupt you there, but can you imagine like him walking out still drunk, like from, from the <laughs> two night two night bender that they'd been on, for him to like as the as the guard of honour is taking place, for him to like lean and just lean over on Wayne Rooney and just throw up on his boots, and then just <laughs> that would have been that would have been what happened, wouldn't it? <laughs> So they got to Derby. Um, I laughed at the the picture the club put out of them walking across from the hotel to Pride Park uh, with the caption fresh and focused. And several of them were clutching coffee cups. Um, Barry, Barry Douglas's eyes disappeared for about six days. Uh, he looked like a very tired man indeed. I think the way, and this is, so, I was speaking to someone about this the other, the other night, that because they're so fit and they've lost so much weight, and you imagine that none of them drink during the season, that like half a glass of anything is probably going to tip them into, into being merry. So like for them to have like four or five beers would have just been like so weird for their system in, inside, wouldn't it? That you can imagine that the amount of alcohol consumed, they would have been flushing it out for several days. So that's probably a big reason as to why Bielsa just took pity on them and thought, I can't play half of you. Yeah. Um... And it's funny, you know, because Bielsa talked about how for Wednesday's game against Charlton, he wanted to protect the competition, um, which suggested that he was kind of forced into these changes. Well, he did say that the players had been through a great uh, mental stress against Barnsley. I think we were all put through a great mental stress in the game against Barnsley. Um, but he, he made those seven changes for Derby, and yet <laughs> Leeds United were still head and shoulders above... Rooney and co. Um, quite a surreal sight. Derby players, Derby of all teams, having to stand and form a guard of honour and clap Pascal Struick, etc., onto the pitch. Um, how, how that must have felt for some of the Leeds lads. I mean, there's a great picture of Leeds having just emerged from the, the guard of honour and uh, Tyler Roberts and Ben White are sharing some kind of a joke that we'll probably never discover what the content of the joke was, but it must have felt amazing. I mean, you put yourself in uh, Jean Paveda's boots or Pascal Stroik, and, and how did they feel walking through a guard of honour that had England's Wayne Rooney clapping them as they walk onto the pitch? Probably just laughing to themselves at being in that situation, I guess. But, I mean, Click was in the stands, wasn't he? Otter will have had a decent view of the garden on it through his binoculars. So there was, <laughs> there was all sorts going on, wasn't there? There was a break dancing after the full-time whistle on the pitch. Ben White's reaction when he was shaking hands. I'm sure we've all seen that on social media. You know, he, he was clearly very hungover and still they still beat Barry. It was like that game was almost like Leeds sort of 
were just going through the motions and then Derby scored and then we're like, all right, let's play now. You know, we've all had our good fun, but let's play. And then, like I say, they just, it was ripped. But going back to a serious point, it was really nice to see Shackleton get his first goal and that ball through from Roberts was great. But I thought that also similarly brought a little, little sort of chapter to close for Shackleton because the first... He got chucked on at Pride Park in the semi-finals of the playoffs last year and played really well. So for him to go back there and, and score sort of rounded that off quite nicely. And yeah, just uh, of all the games, you know, of all the teams, football has this funny way of, of producing these little storylines for Leeds United to go there and, and dance on the pitch, spray the champagne. Um, was great. The only downside was, was of course, Gaetano Berardi's injury, but but other than that, an, an ideal afternoon out, I think, in, in Derbyshire for, for anyone associated with Leeds. Yeah, I think I'd probably add to that the sight of Kiko Casilla's name on the team sheet, which shocked and stunned a lot of people. Didn't expect that at all, personally. Um, I guess it was a, a possibility when he was put back into the squad by Bielsa, once he was back from his suspension over a racism charge, but did not expect him to start, um, I have to say. And I know you know, from anecdotal evidence and a heck of a lot of tweets that there were a lot of Leeds fans that weren't happy with that. But I don't think it overshadowed uh, or or became such a a big issue that it overshadowed the ending of a 16-year exile from the Premier League. And uh, and it would have been desperately unfair on the rest of the squad and Marcelo Bielsa and everyone at the club that's worked so hard for this to make that, uh, you know, to make that a serious issue and to make that a big issue at the time. Um, then, of course, they win the game 3-1, and the uh, the celebrations begin in earnest. You're right, it, it it was sad to see Berardi in crutches, his knee in tatters, having done his ACL on about the 30th minute. Um, little detail that I loved was Bielsa coming out and saying that you know Berardi's characteristics are something that is a, an example for everyone to follow. But he doesn't. in saying that, he doesn't want anyone to think he doesn't rate him as a footballer because he felt that in those 30 minutes against Derby, he played one of his best performances. I absolutely love that the head coach took the time to say, don't just talk about Berra as a club man in the sense that he gets leads or everyone loves him because he's got a great attitude. He can actually play. And in that game, up until the injury, he played really, really well. It's the, it's the kind of um, thoughtfulness that I really appreciate that, that he would think to mention that. And I know that he's he's gone to great lengths to mention Vera and the tasty soaps and um, everything else in the past week and all and the bus driver and the sweets. But I think just to make that point, just to stop everything and make that point was great. But I think Bielsa has made an, an awful lot of great points in the last week. Um, great to see him involved again in the celebrations at Derby. He did go straight down the tunnel at full time, pursued by um, Andrea Rodrizani, who wanted a selfie with him. Um, <laughs> Marcelo just kept walking and, and Radrazani kind of followed him and, and then later I saw that he had managed to, to stop the head coach and convince him to have a selfie uh, and when we spoke to him after the game we asked him about his future because because you have to really it's, it's a big talking point but he was very keen that, that no one should talk about him that nobody should take the moment away from the players and that it should all be all about what has been achieved Um it just, it just felt like a great day out for Leeds United. Again, we say it every time we podcast, football is nothing without fans and it would have been so much better to have supporters in the ground. But there were still a few gathered at Derby that, that had a nice moment with Bielsa. We'll have something about that actually in our Premier League special that's coming out this weekend in the YEP. But a good day out at Derby. And then it just... It just kept rolling, didn't it? Like the, the feel-good factor has just rolled and rolled throughout the week right up until the season finale when the championship was absolutely bonkers as per usual. It was fitting, really, that Leeds' last day in the championship was insane because the championship largely has been insane for Leeds United. Uh, and you were you had your first taste of football behind closed doors at Elland Road. How was that experience? Very odd, I think. Well, I've experienced it a little bit with under-23s, you know, when you go and cover the development team at Elm Road. But it's a, to be there on a match day with the first team, 
um, in full flow was very odd. It's just not the same without fans. I know you've just said it, but I'll reiterate that message. You know, football without fans is absolutely rubbish. And hopefully that they, they can be welcomed back, um, at least in part, soon. But it was... Um, it was nice to be back at Ellen Road after so long away. It was nice to see familiar faces in the press box and it was a privilege to see the trophy lift and it was also a privilege to see Ben White's volley because that was absolutely phenomenal. But also, you know, just the way that they played, um, Charlton just could not get near them. They had, what, one chance in, in 90 minutes where they should have scored, where they broke from a, a Leeds corner. But, you know, any worries about Leeds turning up and, and not really being bothered for the last game of the season were dismissed very quickly and just some some of the football that was on display was just a, a sort of a salute to this football team over the last two years, really, the way that they've played. Um, Pascal strikes ball over the top for Pavida for then Shackleton to score was was just lit. like I think everyone in the press box was just open mouthed at that. So the future is is bright, I guess. But yeah, just a, a privilege to be there, but a massive shame without fans. Um, and, you know, I think everyone needed new trousers as well with the fireworks going off. So that was good fun. But, yeah, just um, a real shame that no fans could be there on what was a very, very special day for the football club. And, you know, to see Leeds United lift silverware will will live long in the memory. Some of us have heard loud bangs before, Joe, so it wasn't that uh, shocking a moment. Um, when the game was being played, the thought struck me that, that, that you would never say that Leeds play with the handbrake on because of the, the way they attack constantly. But the freedom with which they played football against Charlton, and yes, Charlton were poor and couldn't lay a glove on them, and Lee Bowyer is working with a hand, you know, at least one hand tied behind his back. But some of the football, I mean, for Dallas's goal, the football was just fantastic. Um, Pablo Hernandez had nutmegged Dallas in the warm-up um, and left Dallas absolutely stewing. Uh, so then to lay on an assist of that quality through the legs of a defender was superb. Like you, you're right to mention Ben White's volley, to have not scored all season and then to score with an absolute thunder bastard into the top corner, striking the ball that well from just outside the, the area. To see the laughter, like Luke Ayling was genuinely amused by that goal. He was, in the celebrations, he was laughing, not so much out of like happiness, but out of amusement. Like this was a very funny thing to have happened. Um, maybe relieved that people had already made decisions on goal of the season because uh, it was it was a terrific strike. But yeah, the football was superb and uh, and again a fitting end to a season. And, and with everything else that was going off elsewhere, with with Barnsley winning it late to stay up um, to keep Brentford in the playoffs, uh, and for Leeds to end the season with a ten point gap. Given how stressful it's been, given given the the club be, almost being on the precipice of a meltdown on a number of occasions, you know, Forest away strikes you as one, Cardiff away after the restart strikes you as another. You know, there were people. I'm I, I'm sure I remember somebody tweeting me or emailing me after Cardiff or after Luton saying that they wouldn't win another game this season. You, you know, it, it's like people were so worried about this not happening a second time. And, and had it not happened for a second time, the meltdown would have been completely justified. But in the end, it was very easy. And it seems strange saying that because we've, been, we've talked about tension and pressure throughout the season and ifs and maybes. But 10 points is an enormous gap in the championship. Uh, but it, it shows how good they've been and how superior they've been all season. It just took them to last the course and to go on that unbelievable run in lockdown with a defeat, a draw and seven wins just to prove right at the end yes we were actually that much better all season the other teams couldn't handle it in the end Yeah it's an interesting point you make because I don't think many teams have won the championship by 10 points um, not for a number of years anyway but the way that it ended up playing out, it was almost looking back, it was like, what was everyone worried about? You know, when you look at the final table, but remarkably, it's only, what, a, we're only eight days on from from the Barnsley game where, where Leeds were needing a point. But it was just, yeah, it's just been been a whirlwind of, because the games have been coming so thick and fast that this this gap 
almost seemed because of Brentford's winning run, it never felt like Leeds had really got away from them. And then that, that goal happened at Swansea and then yeah, just just a remarkable few days after and, and Adam Forshaw was right all along, wasn't he? Yeah, he nailed it. I don't know what, what everyone was making a big fuss about. Absolute formality. Romped it. Um, so the team, they beat Charlton handily. It, it was sad to see Charlton players on the deck knowing that they were relegated and they kind of and they had this agonizing and horribly awkward wait where Leeds had kind of gone to to go and get prepared for the celebrations and the trophy lift Charlton players were all stood on the pitch or sat on the pitch looking up to the stands where uh, one of their subs and one of their support staff had a an iPad or something and they were watching games on it and they were they were just looking in that direction constantly staring waiting for some sign of good news that never came um, so you had one club, you know, leaving the championship in the best possible way and another club leaving the championship in the worst possible way on the same night. I, I wouldn't say it took any any kind of edge off the celebrations, but there was just a very stark contrast. And I, I felt for Lee Bowyer. And he said an awful lot of nice things about Leeds. Managers will do that because they like to take care of themselves and take care of their futures. You never know what's going to happen down the line. But I do feel that Lee Bowyer has a genuine affinity and a genuine affection for this club and he came out to watch the trophy lift didn't he snuck out of the away dressing room which is under the away end in the Howard's bar isn't it so that was nice but yeah it was um stark contrast between the two the two emotions but a little mention for Clark O'Dor um at Barnsley to score his first goal for Barnsley after leaving Leeds and it's the one that that keeps them up um Bielsa spoke very highly of him I know before he left, and he essentially just left because there was you know, too much competition ahead of him. But he, he was very, very good for the under-23s and had a very bright future ahead of him. And it was nice to see him, um, him and Alex Mowat and Apo Halm celebrate, you know, for Barnsley because that is some some effort to stay up, albeit at the expense of of the Wigan Athletic, who have gone down with what 59 points, which is a massive shame for them and an indictment on on the EFL. Um, but a nice moment for Barnsley and congratulations to them. Yeah, I uh, I absolutely loved that interview with Struber where he was he could barely speak because he was crying. And you look at that, that young squad of players like Jacob Brown. So what they've managed to achieve is absolutely remarkable in a division with the spending that some of the clubs engage in. But equally, as somebody who has a soft spot for Paul Cook and Sammy Morsey, um, it, it's devastating to see that they could possibly go down, having played the way they've done, having picked up the results they've done. The second half of the season is is devastating, and we'll watch this space with interest. Um, I I would expect the EFL to make some decisions on clubs like Sheffield Wednesday and, and whatnot sometime in twenty twenty five. It just seems to be dragging and dragging, and you can only be glad as somebody involved with Leeds United that they're not in any kind of a similar situation or waiting for their their fate to be rubber stamped or decided because the wait must be agonising for, for players and officials and, and supporters of clubs that still don't really know what's going to happen. Yeah, and Leeds have, have had similar run-ins with, with the EFL and the Football League over the years. So if, if any football club needs to be reminded about you know having to agonise weight over points deductions and things like that, then... You know, it's not Leeds United, but yeah, it's um, it's just a, a real sad indictment of, of the EFL and what's happened at Wigan, and it's a massive shame. And hopefully, something positive can come from it in, in either reform or something like that, because you fear for for their playing squad going into League One. You know, a lot of good players there that are going to get taken by other clubs because they need the money, and, and you worry about what's going to happen next and also a, a massive shame for ex-Leeds United boy Tom Pearce as well. Joe Geldert, one of those Wigan players that will undoubtedly be sold once uh, Gerald Krasner gets a, an acceptable offer. Leeds United, one of the clubs that are in for him. The club feel that it would be a major coup if they were able to get him because there are clubs like Everton and Spurs who are being linked with him and have definite interest. I think he might even be an Everton fan. He's from Liverpool. Um, 18 years of age, being compared with Wayne Rooney, not just because of his accent, but because of his stature, teenage Wayne Rooney, uh, he's been compared with. Um, scored his first senior goal for Wigan this season against Hull. Paul Cook has 
really protected him and looked after him, even to the point of receiving criticism for it. I think Wigan fans wanted to see a bit more of him, but Cookies kind of kept him wrapped in cotton wool. So that's one to keep an eye on, one that uh, another kind of one of those young stars that, that Leeds might want to bring in, along with Charlie Allen from Linfield, to, um, to bolster the ranks of the, uh, you know, the 23s and the, the young group just below the first team. Um, so game completed, Charlton down, Leeds up, the trophy came out, and we were aware from late afternoon that there was the potential for something to happen outside the ground um, because a, a bus had been spotted being decorated, which really only meant one thing. And then, of course, during the game, the bus was rolled into the middle of the, uh, the square, um, not far from Bremner's statue, with crash barriers either side. So it, it was evident that something was going to happen. And I think that's when the, the consternation started from fans who, who weren't there. The club had told people to stay away. They'd continue to broadcast that message. Even on the day of the game, Angus Kinnear put out a, a plea for fans to stay at home. It was inevitable, Joe, that people were going to gather. The police had geared up for an operation for it. Leeds United had a contingency in place, and that contingency was given the green light by the council because the feeling was people are going to gather and there needs to be some way of sending them home and getting them to disperse because I think that the feeling was perhaps from the authorities that, that trouble, not, not so much trouble, but problems might occur later on into the evening if there was still a large amount of people on Elland Road. I think they were worried about the potential for disruption on the main road itself uh, and had, of course, had the police and Leeds United blocked off the area around Elland Road, people would have gathered on the road itself, um, which wouldn't have been great. But you can well understand the anger and disappointment of people who who felt that they were denied a chance to see the team with the trophy on top of that bus. But the people who ignored the club's message and went down anyway had, I guess, what you could call a reward for doing so, even if it was five minutes and then they were told to go home. But they had that moment where they got to see Liam Cooper and the team. They got to hear Calvin leading the singing. They had a moment of connection with with the team that fans who didn't go didn't get. Yeah, one hundred percent. And um, I find it very conflicting because obviously it was great to see the players have that moment and great to see fans have that moment, but. Essentially, we are in a global pandemic and people still gathered. It was inevitable. But I think premeditating um, that could have been dealt with far, far better and, and kept away from social media in terms of, you know, put the pictures of the bus appeared on, on Twitter and, and that probably forced more people down to Ellen Road as a result. Whereas I think if you just said to the players, you know, if people are gathering, just go onto the East Stand steps and show the trophy and then go back inside. You could still have had the same result without having a bus there and all the controversy. I think if they'd have just done that, it would have been far less, it would have been a far less talked about thing because you could have still achieved the same thing. You know, you could have told fans, look, they brought it out for a couple of minutes, they've shown you it, and now they're going back inside. You could have sold that far, far better if that was a, a, a genuine plan and plea from the club, then that, that could have been dealt with, in my opinion, far better than, than what it was. Um, I'm sure people will disagree with me. I'm sure there'll be people out there who, who, don't, who, who do disagree and, and don't really care about it. And, but I just think it, it could have been dealt with a lot better. And for a lot of people who, who you know, would have liked to have been there, it probably overshadowed a night that should have been all about celebrating this achievement of, of the club. And it was slightly dampened, but... Hopefully now um, we're a couple of days after the event and, and people can just reflect on the promotion season as a whole and, and the fact that as soon as a new season gets underway, hopefully it'll be forgotten. But you know, there was a, a, a huge health risk attached to that and um, I don't think Leeds United come out with it with a lot of credit. No, we saw the trust statement. The trust felt it was an own goal. I think you're right in that it could have been done on the steps. I think the bus, it, it symbolises planned celebration doesn't it and um, I accept that Leeds were in, largely in an impossible situation 
you can't stop people from physically gathering and they couldn't stop them from gathering. Um, they did their level best to, to push that message right to the last minute. They couldn't, they couldn't soften the message. They couldn't stop saying stay away. They couldn't invite fans down. Um, I guess you might say wherever the bus was, it would have been spotted at some stage, but, but had it been kept somewhere else and then driven to the ground just in time, uh, then, but you know, we're second guessing here and it, it's, it's largely by the by it happened. There will be people that look back on that with sadness because they missed out and anger. And there'll be people who look back on it and will simply be glad and feel justified that they went. Um, there was a, there was a great atmosphere outside the ground. It was, uh, I spoke to a policeman as they were winding down their operations, probably just around quarter past half past 11. I think it was as we were coming out of Elland road, the police were, were walking down Beeston Hill, uh, having dealt with, uh, a small group of around 30, I think it was, chucking bottles and bricks. The police officer said to me that it was peaceful for seven hours, horrible for half an hour. Um, sad that, that people will attach themselves to a crowd like that and, and seize an opportunity to kick off. Instead of seeing it as an opportunity to have a good time with your friends, there is an element uh, with every football club of... Um, and, and I guess in every city as well, because you can't even guarantee that these were Leeds fans. They might have just been idiots who decided to, to come and join a crowd and start chucking stuff. But, um, but sad that, that that transpired. Pleasing, though, that for seven hours, it was a joyful atmosphere and nothing else. Um, lots of fireworks, lots of pyro. There was a, an injury to a police officer, I believe, and a couple of arrests, but given the numbers that were down there, very, very few people involved in any kind of troublemaking. Um, and then the partying continued for the players. They went back into the stadium. Um, they continued to get merry. Bielsa kind of left the celebrations to go on his way. Um, and we continued to churn out pages until uh, the paper was done. Um, it was, uh, it, all in all, I think, a great end to the season um it has there has been an element for me that that it hasn't been wholly perfect or satisfactory because i always imagined the promotion moment being probably the loudest roar i will have ever heard in a football ground and it and the pumped in crowd noise as, as liam cooper lifted the trophy was just sterile um the players reaction was fantastic them managing to get bielsa in to lift the trophy was fantastic but but you wanted to see the fans there. Um, it would have been an overwhelmingly emotional moment. But Leeds are up. Leeds are going up as champions. And the Premier League starts in seven weeks. <laughs> Scary thought. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree that we touched on it earlier. The, the lack of fans is a, is a huge problem. But I think if you just said to, to Leeds fans when the when when the pandemic came, you know, you could you could get promoted, but unfortunately, won't be there. You know, I think they would have taken it anyway. They would have would have snapped off on the basis that it's been so long. The club has wanted this so 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 many years. It's been through so much off the pitch. You know, it's been through so many managers, so many players, so many loanees that to have this moment, no matter how it came, was always sweet. And I think I think it almost feels like the the moment that I'll remember. And a lot of Leeds fans will remember as the moment, and as weird as this might sound, is that the Hernandez one at Swansea that felt like the moment where you know everyone came together and thought this is it. And even though people weren't in the stadium, I still feel like in 10, 12 years, 15 years, however long it is, people will still reflect on that moment, saying like, "Where were you when Hernandez scored at Swansea?" Um, I think people have, you know, whether in the background with their mates, whether they're at home, they'll always remember that moment. Um, and regardless of, of whether fans are there or not, football still has shown that it can produce those little moments, even though it is essentially rubbish without fans being in the stadium. Um, I have to mention, uh, as we were leaving the stadium, Andrea Rodrizani was pulling his car out, out onto uh, Elland Road. There was still a small gaggle of people who were celebrating um, and managed to halt his car um, and celebrate with him and give him kind of that nice little moment with the, the adoring public. But Ben White 
when his uh, when his people carrier pulled out, and whoever it was in the in the vehicle with him opened the door to let the fans sing, Ben White, Ben White, sign him up. I don't think I've ever seen a human being look so scared. <laughs> he, he looked genuinely terrified. I would have been as well, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perhaps. What time, what time was it? Like one o'clock in the morning? Yeah, it was, it was late, wasn't it? Um, ben White signed him up. I think that will be echoed throughout the summer until we find out his fate. We do already know the fate of uh, one loanee, however. Ilan Melier, his loan has been turned into a permanent deal for something like five million, which feels like a snip to me. Um, given the way in which he's dealt with being thrown in at the deep end during Casillas' racism ban, he was seem he was he he slotted in seamlessly. I will say that I think he was very well protected by the team, like they defended superbly, and he was very rarely exposed. But when he was needed, he was there, made some great stops, distribution was good. Uh, really impressed me with how he dealt with pressure from corners and free kicks. You know, coming through a crowd to punch the ball clear. He's very confident lad. Very tall lad as well. Can kick a ball very nicely. Um, great addition, I think. And uh, whether or not he's the number one in the, the Premier League, we'll have to wait and see what happens on that front. But um, good, good bit of business to start the season. Brilliant, I think. Um, the way that he's performed in the last few months and, and since Kiko's ban, he's like you say, he's been very well protected, but he's he's done everything called upon, made some very, very good saves against Charlton and, and has sort of just looked very assured. Um, that could have been a real, real issue for Leeds when Casillas ban came, but it's it's not been a talking point at all. He's not made a big mistake. He's not made a huge error. All right, the defence has been one of the best in Europe this season, but still... A 19-year-old lad to go in there. I thought the Swansea game was was the biggest testament to his abilities. The way he stood up to to that barrage of crosses throughout that game. Um, a, 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 another keeper may have folded. So looks like a great bit of business. Has got some serious potential there. And other teams like Chelsea have been looking at him for a long time. So to get him for five million looks like a, a shrewd little piece of business from from Leeds and Orta and. Hopefully, whether he's the number one next year or not, he'll, he'll keep making these strides. Obviously, with the Category 1 status, they'll be playing um, a higher level of academy football. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes goes next season um, once the, the new season gets underway. Yeah, the other the other bit of business that, um, that Victor Order confirmed on, uh, on Spanish radio was that Jack Harrison's loan has been extended for a further season. The option to buy has simply been pushed back. Leeds will have to pay a little bit more next season, one or two million more, I think, um, which would still, I think, if, if he copes in the Prem next season and they can get him for 10 million or less, then uh, that's, an, that's a superb bit of business. But I think it's clever to put off any obligated spending for a year, given that we still don't know if they'll be able to get out of the uh, Jean-Kevin Augustin deal. Um, Leipzig's sporting director made clear this week that uh, once Leeds went up, the obligation was activated as far as they're concerned. So they are very much talking about uh, JKA in the past tense in Leipzig. They they aren't they don't appear willing to keep him. I think his time there was done. Sadly, I think his time at Leeds United was done. So this one is probably going to go to some uh, court of arbitration uh, for sport, and we'll have to await that. But Putting off any expenditure that you had planned, if you're able to, to give you that lee room, is good. They are going to have to strengthen, though. Um, that's probably for a separate podcast. Um, but silly season has started already, Joe. And, and if you're a footballer from Argentina, or even if you're a footballer who's heard of Argentina, you're currently being linked with Leeds United. Yeah, just get your agent to ring up any news outlet and say, Leeds have been sniffing around my client, yeah. Because that's that's the way it's going to be, and now they're in the Premier League as well, with a big name like like Bielsa. Um, it's it's going to happen. Although it probably would help if the owner stopped talking about Edison Cavani, because <laughs> that probably only fuels fans' expectations of of hearing exotic exotic names from South America coming to Leeds United. So it'll be interesting to see how how it all unfolds this this summer, not just at Leeds United, but. I know we've mentioned it before, 
the COVID impact on the transfer market and whether we see as see as many huge deals this summer. Um, but I think Leeds are. I think they've got to focus on on the centre back position first. If they can get Ben White, that'd be an absolute you know dream. But if not, then they need to identify someone who they they think can come in alongside Liam Cooper and and play a big role or if not a bigger role than Ben White and that'll be some task for anyone because similarly to when they sold Janssen for when Ben White came in and had huge shoes to fill even bigger ones now when if Ben White doesn't join I can I can imagine a press conference in which Marcelo Bielsa sits down and says Pascal will play um, but I do think they do need to strengthen that area great to see Pascal come through these tests though so well um, playing central defensive midfield having first played there when they came back from lockdown with the first team and given Patrick Bamford a really difficult time on the training pitch, um, so much so that Bamford was being screamed at in murder ball and Pascal uh, was just passing it around him in triangles. Um, but he's been really good, so that's, that's been great. One man we won't say Alan Road next season is Carlos Corber, and he's gone to Huddersfield to take on that job. Brave man, I'll say that firstly. Uh, secondly, ambitious man. And um, this is not the first time he's had an offer. This time, I think, with promotion in the bag, I think it felt for him like the time was right to spread his wings, and he seems to have gone with every blessing. Um, not somebody Marcelo Bielsa brought in, but somebody Marcelo Bielsa welcomed into his fold. Corbin was already there, of course, with the 23s when Bielsa arrived at Elland Road, and he became a big part of Bielsa's backroom staff. Smart move, that, by Rajazani to, to ask for Corbin to be a part of the first-team first staff as well as 23s to kind of encourage that fluidity between the two. And it appears to have paid off handsomely. He has been magnificent, I think, since he joined and goes with everyone's best wishes. He's done a remarkable job in rebuilding what was a very depleted under 23s side when he came in. Um, you know, the, the link between the first team and the 23s was essentially non-existent as when Rajuizani took over and Victor to came in. So they obviously identified him as someone who could come in and do that through their links to Aspire Academy. And he came over and transformed the under-23s in a year. And then within two years, they were, what, category two national champions. So to find a blend of of the Yorkshire grit that we've seen, um, part of, of Mielsa's squad, but also the the players that Auto has gone out and bought for under-23s under level, um, has been pretty impressive and then to to get welcomed into Bielsa's inner circle and be part of that and then help manage that transition of, of players underneath the first team who no matter their age have been well drilled in, in Bielsa ball and, and filling this season people like Shackleton, Robbie Gott, Solly Casey have all played a role at some stage no matter how big or small Leif Davis, Jordan Stevens. I don't think that would have been possible without Carlos because Bielsa can't do everything, no matter how much you think he can. You know, they still need someone like Corbrand to to help drill them in those those games that they're playing at 23's level. So goes with a lot of um, well wishes, but I think Huddersfield have, have obviously taken a risk and we wish him well and, and it'll be really interesting to see how he does there. Clearly has ambitions, like you say, and has to be one of the hardest working men I've seen in football myself just from covering football for such a short period of time because he was just for example he was covering a priest he was doing an under 23s pre-season game at Scarborough and then they were playing down at like somewhere like Bristol 24 hours later and within an hour of the game ending in Scarborough he was on a train so you know just just a hard-working man and, and I don't think you you get welcomed in to Bielsa like he like he did do without being a good coach. And obviously Pep Guardiola has loose links to him as well. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes with this field. They're obviously changing model there after a couple of years in the Premier League and then some struggles. An interesting choice that they've gone away from the Cowleys, but all the best to him. He's a, he's, a, he's always been a nice guy to interview and he'll give you loads of time and he gives you loads of content and he's always been nice to speak to a, um, off the record. So... Hopefully you can can make something there, regardless of it being Huddersfield. <laughs> regardless, um, yeah, Leeds United feeder club uh, <laughs> in, of the future. Um, I think that's about it from us. All that's left to say is enjoy your holidays if you're a Leeds United player. Clicks off to Poland to see family because he says it's been too long. 
Melier is off to France. Um, Calvin and Roberts and Ben White have flown to uh, Costa del Sol by the looks of it. Jack Harrison is, has been asking for football trainers in Ibiza. And I don't think he means the type that you wear on your feet. I think he means the type that you can continue to get fit with while basking in some uh, Spanish sun. Um, just doesn't stop. Jack Harrison is, is relentless. Just lie down, Jack. Have a, have a seat for a couple of days. You can imagine him getting to the airport and like sprinting to security, sprinting to baggage, you know, all that stuff. You can just see him. Just the way that he is, like he's been so drilled by Rielsa. But he did, to be fair to him, he did very similar last year. He went off to New York and, and went and refound his university coaches and, and did all the fitness work. So, I mean, that's the work ethic that gets you to the Premier League. So why stop now? It's great to hear that that's part of his plans. But yeah, you might just have a couple of days rest. Might be, uh, might be ideal. Ben White, hopefully they can convince him. Sorry to cut you off. Hopefully Roberts and Calvin can like lock him in a room until he signs a document or something that, that says he wants to leave Brian. Hold his head in the swimming pool uh, <laughs> until he agrees. Um, or just whisper in his ear as he sleeps every night, sign for Leeds. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's about it. We'll, we'll cover the, the player of the year stuff in next week's podcast. We know that that Stuart Dallas got players player of the year. Um, no shock there. Uh, we know that Robbie Gotts got academy player. And we know that Ben White got young player. Um, all very sensible choices. But we'll discuss that at length in our next podcast. Make sure you get yourself a copy of the YEP this weekend. It's got another one of those superb supplements. This one is a 40-pager, um, which is why there have been some stifled yawns during this recording. From the pair of us, there's an awful lot of content in it. We hope you enjoy that. Thank you to each and every one of you who bought at least one copy of our special supplement last weekend with the fantastic wraparound. Um, it's superb to see people buying newspapers in 2020. And thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the website. If you do subscribe to the website, you'll find quicker loading times, significantly fewer ads. We believe in the content we produce and we believe in a sustainable future for local journalism and the importance of local journalism and if you do too then please consider subscribing this has been the inside ellen road podcast episode 90 leeds united are going up as champions <laughs>